Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Devin, come on up here, brother. Speaking of missions, we love a mission group called Life of Hope and uh, in Guatemala, and Devin Chance is going to be leading some of our crew there, and so he's going to tell you a little bit about that. There you go, brother. You. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, hey, I just, like, I know I can be up here way too long. That's one of, my wife says I, I do that sometimes. So, um, I, I really, I just want to give you guys a little snippet, kind of some things that are going on. Um, you know, the, the year for us, school-wise, with kids, so essentially we have about 650 kids um, that we have some kind of financial involvement in their education, okay, whether it's a full involvement or a partial involvement, everywhere from preschool up to university level. Universities right now, public schools, private schools are still not having in-person classes. Okay, so now we're rolling on two years of kids having to try to learn online. And I don't know how many of you have had kids or grandkids that have been trying to learn online. Anybody? Is it successful much? Okay, so magnify that for us by five because most of the kids that we're working with, they don't have devices, okay? Um, and then on top of that, we're, we're in communities like the, the landfill, right, where we have about 350 kids that were involved with their education. And so, you know, and we have a computer lab that has eight computers in it. So we're struggling right now with, we're all struggling. The kids are struggling, but it's an us that's a struggle, okay? So I want to ask you guys when, when you're, when you're having your prayer times and, and you're praying for all these different things, I want you to think about the kids in our programs down there. We're already seeing, like, right now I've noticed it in the seven- and eight-year-old kids that were, like, five and six when the pandemic hit and they were beginning to learn to read and write, we're seeing seven- and eight-year-olds that aren't where they need to be, okay? And so that's just at that beginning level. So I, I feel like it's, when you get behind in the beginning, it you're behind now. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how we're going to catch them up. Lord knows how we're going to catch them up. I don't know. Um, on, the, on, a, on a maybe less depressing note, um, we're also trying to use this time of, of what is still really locked down there in some sense. Like, the curfews are gone, but there's still the mask mandates. Um, schools aren't meeting. Um, churches, there's still a lot of churches, guys, that we know that still aren't meeting in person. Um, and I don't want to. I don't. I don't even want to try to measure and assess why that's the case. But that's the case. Um, the government is still having some involvement as far as saying like church services need to be X amount of time and not longer. And you know, you you still walk into a lot of different churches and you find chairs that are six feet apart. And um, there, there's just there's now with travel, like with the with vaccines and with testing and all these things. There's a lot of of obstacles that that we're facing and, and that we're kind of wrestling with and. But at the same time, what we know is this is a chance for us to retool and, and to know that when this lifts, we need to be ready. And so we've hired some people in our clinic staff because through this pandemic, one thing that is happening is we're seeing more people come into the clinic. Um, I, I hired a, a staff person just administratively in country. Um, several of our schools, we've had to hire some extra teachers or extra psychologists because we want to tool up for when this sort of reopens, which I think to all of us we go, when it reopens, what? Look, it, it, it still feels that way there. Um, when it reopens, what we know is that 
education is behind. We know that domestic violence is up. We know that sexual abuse is up. We know that there's suicide happening amongst young kids. Um, we know all of these things are happening right now. So when we're able to have things normal again, whatever normal looks like, we want to be ready for it. Um, so for you guys, what I want to say is what I always do, which is whether you know it or not, um, you're involved in it as a church, and I thank you for that. Um, and as you're having your prayer times, I would ask if you just, man, just pray for our kids. Like, they are struggling. They're just struggling. So thank you guys as a body, as a church, um, as goers. Um, yeah, just thanks. Amen. Let's give Devin a hand. Stay up here, brother. We're going we're gonna to pray over them. So we've got a crew going to Life of Hope in Guatemala, um, two different groups. One will be going in March, a couple of guys, and then a couple of ladies will be going, I think, June, July. And uh, um, they're going to be uh, being able to participate down there. Um, and I got to tell you what Devin was saying about the schools and, and the clinics and everything. Being there myself, kind of boots on the ground, one of the things that I realized is um, this education is so important that maybe this could be a way for these young kids to have a future. So many of them feel like they don't have a future. So many of them feel like they don't have a hope outside of their little square area that they get to run around town. We got to take a handful of them to the zoo, 10 miles away. We were the zoo. We were the zoo. Uh, that is true. But it's, a sh it's not a long distance away. Half of these kids had never left their little itty-bitty neighborhood that they were a part of. So their eyes were wide open to even get out of their neighborhood. And I'm thinking, my goodness, like, like this should resonate in our hearts how important it is to pray for these students, pour into these students, and see them have a hope and a future. Amen. And so, we're going to pray over Devin and uh, pray over Life of Hope, Guatemala, and thank you for the way you sow into that through the missions here, and we just always love to highlight what it's sowing into. So would you guys just extend a hand out? Father, we thank you for, for Devin and Nancy and the teams, God, that they lead over in Guatemala. We thank you for um, the locals there in Guatemala, Jesus, those that run the clinics and those that run the schools and the teachers. Father, we know how important it is that they are there, Jesus, boots on the ground, doing the things that you're calling them to do. They've given their life to their communities. And so, Father, first and foremost, we're asking, would you strengthen the leaders there, Jesus? They're tired, they're worn out, they're wondering, how are we going to get through? What's it gonna look like? What's the future hold? But we know, Jesus, that you are the one who holds the future, and we know that in you there is a future. And so, Jesus, we pray for those teachers and those leaders. We pray for all of the ministries that Life of Hope gets to connect with. God, we're praying for the pastors there in Guatemala. We're asking, Lord, whatever it is that they're waiting for, God, the church needs to come together again. And so we're praying, Lord, that they would see that they need to come together again and invite these people in from the communities back into their doors. More than anything, God, we pray that you'd continue to provide provision for Life of Hope, for these students to be able to attend more computers, more devices, whatever it needs to happen, Lord. I thank you for the way that you've blessed us, that we can be a blessing, God, to others. So Jesus, thank you for the vision that you've given Devin and the team. Continue to pour out your spirit on them. Strengthen them, Holy Spirit. For those that are gonna be going over these next couple of months, God, we pray that not only would they be touched, but God, they could also go in and help and touch others. In your name we pray these things, and all God's people said, amen. amen. One more time, let's give Devin a hand. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians 12. We're gonna fly today. Everybody say fly. 
hopefully. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 7 here in just a second. Um, I do want to just say to you, uh, if you're a visitor, welcome. We, we love having you here. Um, it's been quite a monumental week. And no, I'm not talking about the Super Bowl preparation. I'm talking about Winter Olympics and curling. How many guys like to watch the curling? Anybody? I had aspirations years ago. Me and Lance Miller used to joke around that we were going to be professional curlers, all right? I like how they slide and they've got the little touch and then they've got the, I don't know what those guys are called, but the scrubbers, right? The scrubber guys that are in front and, and, and literally in, in my, I'm like, that's an Olympic game I could do. And my wife is like, here's a broom, here's a mop, go train for it, right? I'm like, okay, all right, easy there, champ. Um, and so, so but, but what we've seen is we've seen some of the best athletes in the world compete at their strengths and their sport, and they've put their strengths on display. Some of the best athletes in these Winter Olympics have done that. We're gonna see some of the best athletes in the world tonight at the Super Bowl put their strengths on on display. I say best. We know the Chiefs aren't in it. Second best, all right? But, but you're going to see some phenomenal athletes put their strengths on display. And what we see is we've placed a lot of our value on earthly perfection and strength. You guys see that? We've placed a lot of our admiration for people who are strong and standing tall in trials. We say it all the time. And that's fantastic. We put images of our most talented athletes and the strongest people on the covers of magazines. And we go, this is your aspiration. This is what you should be after. And meanwhile, what happens is sometimes weakness is kind of looked down upon and, and rejected and only the strong will survive. And look, I mean, in my own life, I've fallen into that category. But there's this thing that I love about life that resonates in every single one of us. We all love the little guy too, right? We don't know why, but there's this thing in our DNA where we're like, yes, strong and strength and this is what we want to do and this is what we want to be. But there's something in us where we love to root for the underdog. You guys notice that? It's why we love Rudy. Come on, Rudy, Rudy, right? It's why we love Rudy. It's why we love the movie Seabiscuit, the little horse, right? You guys remember that movie? It's why we love Cinderella, Right? The story of, of a gal who's never going to make it. So she gets obviously brought into the palace. Like, we love these stories of the underdog, and we don't always know why. Like, why do we love the stories of the little guy making it? The little guy who breaks through. The little one who makes it. But it's in our DNA. That's why we love Rocky. The guy was a stallion, right? Mr. T should have shredded him. I'm just saying. It's why we love these things, and there's a reason for this. It's, it's written on our hearts. God is contrary to the things of this world. Amen? How many of you have ever felt like you've been weak in your life? You've walked through weakness in your life? I have hope for you today. If you've walked through weakness or you're walking in weakness right now, you're exactly where you need to be. I'm reminded how often scripture talks about strength and what it looks like through the eyes of Christ. Not many of us are gonna be able to go to the Winter Olympics. Aspiration, probably not gonna happen, right? Not many of us are gonna be able to get on an NFL football field and play. But I'm telling you, every single one of us, God can use in an amazing way in the weakness that you have today. Scripture teaches us it's not our strength that God is looking for. It's just simply not our strength that he's looking for, but our weakness where his power can be made perfected. 
He'll say it over and over and over. And so in your Bibles, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you're going to see where Paul is going, look, if, if there's reason to boast, I could do it. And, then, and he's, and he's kind of describing this scenario of a guy who was caught up in the third heaven. He's like, this guy could boast. But Paul says, I'm not going to boast unless I boast in one thing. And then he's going to tell us right here. So to keep me from being conceited. So Paul, he's, he understands that, that he's got some talents. Paul understands that the Lord gives him visions and that could rise up in him and he could become conceited. Paul could become a little bit prideful. Look what he says. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that the Lord was downloading on him, a thorn was given me in my flesh. Now scholars have argued over and over and over, what's that thorn? Many people think it was his eyes because he was blinded and it says it was though the scales fell off of his eyes. Maybe there was a residual thing with that. Maybe it was, some people think it was just more of maybe he had a tendency to get arrogant from time to time and the Lord was constantly humbling him. But he says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. In other words, he's like, the Lord was allowing this thing to come against me. Now look what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. Woo! Everybody say content. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen, church. What you will see when you study all other religions and philosophies in life, and almost all of them, you have to do something to connect with God. But in Christianity, Jesus Christ came to do what you couldn't do for yourself. So it will never be about your strength. It will never be about your power. It will always be about his power. And you look at the stories throughout the thread of scripture and he doesn't need your strength. He wants your weakness so that his strength is on display. You ever notice how God's stories start with the weak? Anybody ever notice that? Why some people are always so in awe with scripture verses. Look at the army of Gideon. Gideon's got 35,000 plus guys. And he's ready for war. And he's kind of built up a little bit going, I think I could do this. Even though I'm kind of the lesser tribe, like Gideon's called forth to lead. And he's going, I think I can do it 35,000. The Lord goes, that's the problem. You think you can do it. So I want you to start shedding some weight. And Gideon's like, all right. And they get down to what, 3,000? And he's like, okay, maybe still with 3,000 I can do it. And the Lord goes, that's the problem. You still think you can do it. I need you to shed some weight. So we know that it gets all the way down to 300 people. And all of the sudden, with 300 people, it is impossible for Gideon to do it. But it's possible for the Lord. And so the Lord says, I don't need your strength, Gideon. I need your weakness. You look at David's life. David is the same way. We know the story of David and Goliath. I'm just going to put that to the side for a minute. There's no way David's defeating Goliath in his own. But just even being chosen as a king, G, uh, uh, Jesse is supposed to bring all of his sons and line them up. David's got a lot of brothers, tall, stature, big, strong, kingly-looking dudes. 
And so he's, look, Samuel's looking over all of David's brothers, and he's going, nope, nope, nope. And they're like, surely this one, nope, nope, nope. And Jesse, or, uh, Samuel turns to Jesse and says, don't you have any more? David wasn't even considered in the running because he was weakly and small and just simply a shepherd boy. And he goes, well, I do have one more. Somebody go fetch him. And when David walks up, we see what the word says in 1 Samuel 16. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? The heart. He didn't need the strong stature. He didn't need the kingly looking guy. He didn't need that. What he needed was a heart that would walk in the weakness that he has and that he would be made strong in the Lord. You could go over and over. Loaves and fishes, taking a little bit and making a lot. 12 men who should have never been the ones following Jesus because they were simply fishermen and uneducated and God did something with them. Where Jesus came from, Nazareth, the Bible says, what good comes out of Nazareth? It's always about the least and the weak and the broken. And this is how God moves. God used weak people and he strengthened them in his strength. Ephesians 3.14, Paul's going to pray this prayer. And he says, for this reason, I bow to my knees before the Father from every family in heaven on earth at his name. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, everybody say me. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Your power, your strength comes from one place. It comes from the spirit of the Lord. That's it. And this is why in the Old Testament, you're going to say over and over, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. My hope today is that what happens in your heart is you begin to develop a confidence to know that God wants to use you in your weakness. Over and over and over, we, we look for the strong. We look for those that are walking in all of their abilities. We look for those that are gifted in all of these areas. And God says, that's not the way you read scripture. I give you abilities and I give you gifts, but I want you to look at scripture through the lens of when you're weak, I can use you. It's a constant reminder that he uses the weak to shame the strong. He'll say it here in just a few moments. But for far too long, what we've done is we've been dependent on people with great strengths, great teaching, great preaching, great worship, when it's time for the church to awaken to those who feel like they have great weakness. Amen. And in that great weakness, God goes, I will start revivals out of that. Amen. There's a quote that I heard and this is why we need the Holy Spirit. There's a quote that I heard that says, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what the church would do would continue as normal and no one would know the difference. Because we run in man's strength. We've got gifted this and gifted that and we've really just been like, yeah, good job, Holy Spirit, thank you. But then he says this, but if the Holy Spirit would have been withdrawn from the early church, 95% of what they were doing would have stopped and everyone would have known the difference. You see, we've grown so accustomed to the strength of man, so accustomed to our own abilities, and it's time to stop operating in the hype, and it's time to start operating in the Holy Spirit. Amen, church. Amen. One of the things that I saw on the ski trip was a bunch of guys sharing each and every night their weaknesses, and as the more weaknesses came out, and as the more failures came out, and as more and more of our weakness was put on display, more and more of God was showing up in the room. 
Our confidence in Christ comes when we recognize our weakness and his strength. Yet Paul says these words in verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. One of the things that weaknesses allows you to do in life is it causes you to seek the help of God. This is why he loves weakness. We can always operate in our own strength. We do it all the time. Like we're like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. One of the things about our weaknesses is that it causes us to cry out to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this thorn in my flesh, whatever your thorn is in your flesh. And, and Jesus is going, I know, I know, I know, I put it there so that you would cry out to me. <laughs> I allowed it there. I allowed it there so that you would cry out to me. I'm with you, and I'm all that you're ever going to need in your life. Sometimes we don't realize our need for God until he's all you got. Amen? James 4, 6 says those famous words, God opposes the proud. I mean, he's in opposition to them. So you want to be proudful? We're in opposition. He says God opposes the proud, but gives what? Everybody say grace. Grace to the humble. Grace is the power to change. Because of the grace of God, we have the power to change and be transformed. Grace comes to those who are humble. And humility is admitting that I've got weaknesses and I'm accepting God's grace to change those. I'm accepting God's grace to walk in those. I'm accepting God's grace to use those weaknesses in my life. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, weakness shows us our need for God, but weakness also gives us a ministry. I'm going to tell you this, church, and I believe this to be really important for every one of us in this room. Your greatest ministry will flow out of your weaknesses, not your strengths. Who can better help a person go through whatever it is that they're going through? Addiction, despair, depression. Who can better help a person go through those than somebody who's walked through those things themselves? On the ski trip, we were praying over guys for various situations. And one night, just felt like the Lord was saying, pray over addiction. And so we had had two gentlemen who had shared their testimonies the nights before of their struggle with addiction and how the Lord came in and began to set them free from that and how even though it sometimes tries to battle with them, they've been able to walk out of those addictions. And so as we were praying over these men who stood up and said, just, I need prayer for this, we had these two guys, these two brothers who shared their testimony pray and there was power in the room because they operated in their weakness. I was once addicted and I still struggle from time to time, and they're operating out of their weaknesses. And the power of God came in the room, and tears were being shed, and men were being broken. Why? Because it was in their weakness, not their strength, that God showed up. God, I love this quote that I read, God delights in handpicking people for leadership who are stumbling bumblers or simply weak and ill-equipped. If you go back to Gideon, God told him that he was up against the Midianites and he whittled him down to a mere 300. There was no way Gideon could win the war, yet he crushed the Midianites so that everyone would say, Gideon, that was not of you, that was of the Lord. Satan loves to use flattery in our lives. Did you guys know that Satan loves to flatter? 
He's got a flattery tongue. It's a lying tongue. It's a flattery tongue. It's a deceptive tongue. Satan loves to use flattery to get us to think about ourselves and talk about ourselves, to get eyes on ourselves, to get eyes on our accomplishments, our gifts, our strengths, that we're doing really good in our own strengths. And then all of a sudden, what he does is he's going, if I can just get you to focus on what you're awesome at, I can get you to not focus on who is awesome in your life. And so he loves to use flattery. And this is why Paul says, but he said to me, my grace, God's grace, the Lord's grace is sufficient for his power, God's power, Holy Spirit's power. Holy Spirit's power is made perfect in my weakness. In admitting our weaknesses, we get to see the power of Jesus on display. Do you remember the man in Mark uh, chapter 9 who comes to Jesus and he wants his son healed? And Jesus says, do you, do you believe that he could be healed? And he says, I do believe it, but help me in my unbelief. Do you guys remember that? This man comes to Jesus and he's going, look, I know what you say and I believe that you can do it, but I've got weakness and I've got some doubts in my heart and I've got some things telling me that I don't know if you can do it. So yeah, I'm in, I know you can do it, but at the same time, I've got these things going, can you? And Jesus loved the fact that this man not only comes with a confession of faith, but a confession of weakness and what happens, his son is healed. You see, there's something beautiful when we come in weakness. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, Paul says, for consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Come on, somebody say amen. Not many were powerful, come on. Not many were noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of the Lord. You look at all of the situation that you read about in Scripture, and you see that God chose the least and the least likely and the weakest to accomplish what it is that he wanted to accomplish. I want to finish real quickly. Um, the band, you guys can come on up if you guys want. I want to finish real quickly with this, this, this word that I read. And it talks about an ancient Japanese form of art called kintsugu. I just butchered that, so I'm just going to call it K. Okay? It involves joining together pottery pieces with gold or other precious metals. It literally means golden patchwork. I love this. Of the story, the artist takes the broken pieces of pottery, cups, bowls, plates, puts them together again in their original forms, but rather than hiding the flaws of the pottery, the artist highlights the cracks by sealing them with gold. Brokenness is not hidden, but showcased for all to see. The reason these are found in museums throughout Japan is because the broken art is given more value than revered, more value and more revered and more beautiful than the cups and the bowls that are unbroken. God's ways are not our ways. Amen, church. His ways are more like this Japanese art form where we normally think about strength these things look at the weaknesses and they say they're beautiful. In his perfect plan, God has chosen to use broken people to do extraordinary things. He has planned to use pain at times and suffering at times and all of the things that we don't want. And, and as we walk through those, he's used those things still for his glory. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says, but we have these treasures, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Here's what he's saying. In these fragile jars of clay, who puts something in clay? You drop it and it breaks. In these fragile jars of clay, the greatest treasure of the Lord is put in these. And he's going, you're weak. You crack. You break. Oh, but the treasure is the most important thing that's in you. It's strong. It doesn't fail. It never wavers. It's never broken. And he's telling us in the church today, he's telling you and I, this treasure that is within us is where our power and our strength come from. He goes on and he says, similar to this Japanese art, our rough edges and cracks are filled with gold to point to the greatness of God. The philosophy behind the art is not to build a new piece, but instead to understand its history and what it's gone through. It looks similar to the old form, but is now more glorious. This morning, I know that there are some men and women in here who feel weakness in their life. You've asked the question, how can God use me? There are gifted people out there. There are people that can do this, and there are people that can do that. How can God use me? And I want to tell you, that's precisely the one who God wants to use. He loves weakness because it's in your weakness. His power is made perfect. If there are some things in your life that you feel challenged in right now that you're trying to walk through and navigate through and you just feel too weak, you just feel like I'm just too weak, I want to encourage you this week to get on your face before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord and just say, Lord, I give you my weaknesses. I give you my weaknesses and I bet you the Lord comes and moves mightily in you. I know we're late. I want to pray over you guys. I know the next service is going to be knocking down to get in. But you know what? They can wait. Amen? This is important. So I want to pray over you guys today. Father, I thank you for this 8 o'clock crew. And I thank you that there's a bunch of imperfect people in this room. And we're not looking, Jesus, to try to go, I've just got to muster up all of this strength and abilities. What we're saying is, Lord... I lay bare before you what you already know. I have got a bunch of weaknesses in my life. Would you take these weaknesses? Would you use them for your glory? Would you strengthen and empower me to go and do the things that you're calling me to do? In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. 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 God bless you guys. We love you. We will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.